Well, good morning again, and it's great to be wrapping up our series, Margin, Making Room for Life. And we've covered a lot of stress points in relationship to margin, and our definition for margin has been this, margin is the space between my load and my limits. And so we've been looking at that and looking at different areas of life, and this morning we look at technology. And uh, I am a sojourner with you when it comes to technology. I'm trying to figure out where that tipping point is. So when I speak of these things, those of you who know me well will go, well, Dave, you don't do that or you do do this. So I am working through this along with you. I'm trying to figure out what technology is supposed to look like in my life, in our lives together. Where is the margin? And so when I think of technology, one of the first places I land at is cell phones. Can you remember the first cell phone you ever had? Yes, Yes, you can remember. Was it, uh, what was it? Was it like uh, one of these? Can you see it up there? This isn't all the cell phones, but some of you go, oh, yeah, I remember. I forgot I had that one. Um, Yeah, I can see a couple that I've had up there, and I can see a couple that are missing. Uh, My first cell phone, though, was one of these puppies. You remember those? You felt so cool and so important walking around with this thing, you know, like, oh, that guy's got a cell phone. He's got a bag full. Wow, 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 you know. And so I remember having one of those things. And uh, back in the day, you got a complimentary 24 minutes with it. And if you went over, it was, I don't know how much it was, but it was way too much. And you had off-peak, peak, and all these kinds of things. You tried to figure that out. But I'll tell you, I do love technology. I wouldn't want to go back. So this is not a message like at the end of the service with big buckets out there and you throw your phone in. (laughs) Actually, if you have an iPhone 13 by chance, I will take that. You have to pass it into me. They're not out yet. But anyway, so, so, so anyway, that's not what this is about. This is about so much more than that. But when I think of cell phones and technology, I'm glad that these days are over. Can I hear an amen? Some of you may still have one of these, or some of you may not want to know what this is. But this is the phone that was actually like this in my kitchen growing up. We had one phone in front of everybody. They were there. If you were on the phone, everybody knew what was going on, and it was a, it was a game changer when we got that long cord because you could take that phone and wrap around into the dining room, or you could even, you could even get to the kitchen. I mean, I mean, not the kitchen. You could get to the, the bathroom and hide out in there. Uh, it was obviously very laborious dialing a telephone number. It was easy to make a mistake or it just... I know, I don't know if you ever try one of these now. You're like, how in the world do we, you know, just deal with it? But anyway, but, you know, I, I was a, often I was a bad boy, and uh, what I would do, and I'm not advising this now, you don't have to do this, but I would wait till my parents would go to bed, especially on Saturday night. Around 11 o'clock, I would call my girlfriend and stretch the cord all the way into the bathroom and hide out in there and talk with her from like 11 o'clock to 4 in the morning. Uh, You think it's tough being awake on a Sunday morning listening to me today. It was a lot tougher when you've been up from 11 to 4 in the morning and then had to go to church. 
But uh, anyway, so technology's with us. It's something we've got to learn how to deal with. Again, I'm just very happy that I was born in this day. I didn't have to take a horse to come to church. I love having a car. I love having a phone. I love all this kind of thing. And if you actually look at Scripture, uh, God has certain places and times that he intended to place each one of us. And I'm so thankful that he placed me in a day where there are iPhones and such. He determines the times and sets for them and the exact places where they should live. And I'm also very thankful as we even were praying that I live where I live in the Finger Lakes and uh, God has been very gracious and uh, given us blessing for us because we could have easily been born some other place in the world and have to deal with a whole different set of circumstances. So, but he chooses that. So again, what is the goal of this morning? Now, I, I do want to say this. If you walk away with like 10 things, this is you're supposed to do, not supposed to do, and then you try to impose them on your kids and your family, you've missed it. This is to start a conversation. Some of the ideas I'm going to give you, you're going to say, that is horrible, and I'm going to say, that's fine. But it's to start a conversation. So don't, if you've not done anything about this, especially as a parent, and you think this afternoon you're going to lay down the law and just, it's, it's going to blow up, and then you're going to be calling me, and I'm going to be like, no, that's not what I said to do. This is to start a conversation. Some of us as parents may be late to the game when it comes to this. So we, we've got to take that into account. Some of you that your kids are just really young, you get to set the, set the, set the tone. You got all the power, so you get to set the tone. So we're all coming at this from a different place. So the goal is this. This is the goal. It's said two different ways. Uh, the goal is to make sure you are using technology and it is not using you. And a lot of us are finding that it uses us rather than us using it. Most of us, if we're going to function in this world, need to be aware and know how to use it and use it to our benefit, not our detriment. Said another way is make sure your devices aren't becoming your vices. I wish this could be a one conversation and you take care of it, but this is ongoing and the world continues to change. And technology continues to grow. And there are some things that are so wonderful about that. I love the fact that I can call anyone in this country and it's not a toll call. That's a game changer. If you remember back, you had a, you know, 10, 10, 10, whatever that thing was, you know, and, you know, to get the cheapest, you know, that was all. Now it doesn't matter. That's a great thing. I love the fact that I can text someone. I love the fact that I can text Cindy at work and just say, hey, just thinking of you. And then she sends me these little heart things back. And I go, ooh, you know. And I love that. You couldn't do that a while back. So, so these, those are good things. Using it, not having it use you. And this technology is such an issue or potential issue, potential problem. It can be a great thing that uh, even China, if you were watching the news in the last couple weeks, has come down hard on technology. And if you're a, you know, a younger person and you're going to say, oh, that's terrible. But listen to what just recently went down in China. China is tightening its restrictions on video games. Chinese children and teenagers are now barred 
from online gaming on school days. And they're limited to one hour of gaming per day on weekends and holiday evenings. Online gaming has been very profitable for China's internet industry, but the government says game addiction is harming the health of the country's young people. I just wonder how they enforce it. Well, let's put it this way. We have a rule in our house. There's no TV on school days. Ooh. Period. None. None at all. And enforced by you. Enforced. Yeah, yes. Okay. Because enforcement by mama <laughs> is the best kind of enforcement. That's how it there. rolls. But you know what? Like, it's kind of a free for all on the weekend. It's fine. Yeah. Right. You know, just we got too much going on during the week. I, 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 I get it. Uh, we'll see how that, how that goes down in China. I don't think he gets it. I don't think he's buying it. But uh, she's definitely, there's no TV and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not advocating that, but I'm just showing you. It's interesting that China, the government, has thought that this is such a problem and parents aren't dealing with it, they're just shutting it down. I don't know how they enforce it, but they, they, they can. And, uh, you know, we pride ourselves in our freedom, but it's interesting to see the government, they're thinking long term, they're saying this uncontrolled gaming, or in this case, is, is detrimental to their kids, and, and they're thinking bottom line, they're thinking all this stuff, and so that's what they're doing. Uh, usually we, you know, are not fond of China and some of the things they do, but th this is pretty amazing that they, they would actually come down on that. Um, other uh, interesting, some of you may recognize this is from the 80s, and she's still kicking around, but this is Mon Madonna. And, uh, you know, she has a family, and this is what she says. TV and phones are banned in her house. She says she raises her children in an old-fashioned way and encourages conversation rather than screen time. And what amazes me is she actually makes her living off doing the exact opposite. I feel a little taken advantage of. But as we talk about technology, a lot of that's going on. These places that offer this stuff, when we don't intentionally engage and figure out what's going on, we're going to realize that they are actually taking, they're, they're taking advantage of us. They're actually making money off us. That's why they do what they do and, and why they, they do it. So, as we start to think about this and we think about the struggle... And how can we even, it'd be, I mean, easy, it's easier to say no or yes, be all over it, or not over it at all. The struggle is real. It's a process. It's messy. It's not black and white. And some of the problem with the struggle is this, is we have endless appetite and endless access. You can be on it as much as you want. And whatever your appetite is, you, you can keep feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, and it never runs out. At least in my house, every once in a while, Cindy gets wheat thins. I love wheat thins. She only gets them every once in a while. But when she gets wheat thins, there's a moment where there's no more wheat thins. It's not like an endless box. Oh, more wheat thins, more wheat thins. That would be a problem. But with technology, it doesn't run out. Your appetite is just fed, and it's, in a sense, really not ever fed in satisfaction. If we are not intentional with our technology, it will steal from us our margin. Our margin physically, 
Uh, some of us who basically didn't do anything during COVID, uh, you know, I've got my extra 10 pounds because of that. Mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, margin will be subtly eroded until your back is against the wall with no space between your load and your limit. Again, I'm not going to be collecting your phones at the end of the service. We're not, I, I don't know, how many of you guys, when I was like in the early 80s, not 1880s, 1980s growing up, um, when I was growing up, you know, they would sometimes have these things that weren't good for you, they, you know, in the church setting, and basically they wanted you to turn in all your albums that had bad words in it, and they'd do like a bonfire and just burn them all up and that kind of thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking for that. That's not the answer. It's how do you navigate with technology? What do you do? Paul writes about this kind of idea. Just because something is technically, and I added the word technologically, legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. I love what Andy Stanley says in that book we gave out to you who graduated, uh, five questions. Uh, uh, one question is, is it, it's not that it's uh, good or bad or right or wrong. The question is, is it wise? I can get away with a lot of it's not wrong, but is it wise? So just because something is okay doesn't mean it actually is good for you. Uh, again, talk about wheat thins. A few wheat thins are good, but boxes and cases of wheat thins are not good for you. You see, technology is the new gluttony. Some of us are familiar with gluttony and familiar with what the Bible says about it, but technology really is that thing. We can eat as much of it as we want. We can spend as much money on it. We can just immerse ourselves in it. And there's a tipping point for that. There's a line for that. In Philippians, we read, the way they lived is leading them to destruction. It's interesting. China, with their young adults, young people, gets that when it comes to too many video games. I don't know if no video games Monday through Friday is the answer, but whatever it is, they, they know that it's leading to destruction. And their God is their stomach, their technology. They've replaced God with their own desires, and their glory is in their shame. Can't get enough of it. Their mind is set on earthly things. And a couple weeks ago, uh, Rick Kramer was here, very appreciated for his message of being in the world, but not on the world or of the world. The idea here isn't that you shouldn't enjoy the world, you shouldn't enjoy the nice things of life, but you've got to realize that this life is temporary. The, the world is passing out passing away. And so we live with our idea that there is this thing called eternity. Fortunately, eternity is with God. Someday God's going to come back. Christ is going to come back. Uh, usually when we celebrate communion, we talk about that. I, I already can give you a heads up. We're not going to get to communion today, so you can just take your little baggies home and celebrate on your own. The little instructions uh, in the pulse and other places where you can walk through. We did that uh, a few months ago, but we're just not going to get there today. But, but when we're celebrating communion, we're remembering what is to come, and so we want to live in light of that. We just don't live for today. And tied into this whole gluttony, and this is, this is hard stuff, is if technology is the new gluttony, outrage is the new drug. 
We love getting outraged. We love getting upset. And uh, social media plays into that. Do you know that there are algorithms that when you're watching certain videos, liking certain things, they kind of size you up, if you will, and they go, you know, if we were to show them this, they will stay online. And if they stay online, if we stay online, they make more money. So they just keep going a little farther in the direction. They reinforce what you think, and they take it a notch farther and a notch farther, and that keeps you enticed. It keeps you engaged, and you just keep watching and watching and watching and watching and watching and watching, and finally you get into stuff that is just crazy stuff, but you've led yourself there because they want to keep you online. The longer you're online, the more money they make, and that's all that they want to do. Founding president of Facebook, this is what he writes. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. The thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. And that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while. Because someone liked or commented on your photo or post or whatever. And that's going to get you to contribute more content. And that's going to get you more likes and more comments. It's the social validation feedback loop. Exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with. Now, that doesn't mean I'm asking you to get rid of all your social media. I'm asking you to be smart about it. I love the fact that I can connect with people. I love the fact that I can see pictures of friends in my life and, and that kind of thing. But I've got to remember, it's not out of the goodness of anyone's heart in any of these social media organizations that they're doing this. They are trying to get your attention, get your uh, content, so they can make more money off you. Just realize that. Understand that. That is what is going on. This is the founding president of Facebook. And again, like Madonna, like these other people, you find that these people that are involved in these industries, a lot of them don't let their kids mess with it. They don't mess with it. They don't, they're not like you can meet some of these people and they don't have any Facebook account, yet they're running Facebook. What's that all about? They get it. They would rather do something else. But again, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, we have a church Facebook account. We're not closing it down. We just need to understand how much time you and I give it. Real quickly, going along with this, is it's a whole attention economy. I've kind of talked about this, the fact that, uh, you know, they want our attention, and our attention kind of goes fast. So they, they, they're trying to kind of, like, connect with us, keep us going, keep us going, give us a little more, give us a little bit more. I don't know how they figure this stuff out, but these are, the, these are some t statistics. In 2000, the average person had an attention span of 12 seconds. Don't know what that means. So that means, you know, boy, servants should be like 12 seconds. No. <laughs> but that was the attention span. 
In 2015, it dropped to 8 seconds, point 23. And they tell me, and I don't know how, again, how they figure this out, that goldfish has an attention span of 9 seconds. So we actually are worse than goldfish. I don't know how they figure this stuff out, but that's what they've come up with. So, again, this whole attention economy and this idea of accelerated exposure, see more, experience more, and we are actually giving the hearts and souls of our kids away way too soon. There's some things they just shouldn't see, even if they're okay things. They just, it just doesn't need to be a part of their world. And I, I'm guilty. I like faster internet, faster this, faster that. But, but there needs to be some limits. You've got to realize we're, we're letting our kids just, just, get, just have exposure that, that doesn't make life any better. I have some friends that have really been guarded on this. And, and, and you know, you get to the point where now their kids are grown up. And I look at my kids, and it's not like I, I, see, I see health in those kids. They, it saved them from just even having to think about that kind of stuff. Approval culture, that's huge. You know, when, when I grew up, way back then, it was my family, it was a few friends, we went to church, so there was a few people at church, uh, somewhere along the line I talked, I can still remember my Sunday school teachers, I could still see their names and their faces and remember who they were, and those were the people I was looking for. It, it, you know, it couldn't have been 50 people, 100, I, I don't know. Now it could be like thousands of people. Now somebody can weigh in on your life who has just no knowledge of you. And they can say something. Who cares what they think? But we do care what they think. They could say one little line, and we're in. You can post something. I'm going to say it politically. And all of a sudden they say something, and you're like, and it's going, and now you're all caught up with it. They're finding that middle school and high school kids are more depressed percentage-wise. I don't know how much it is. The more exposure they have to these things. So I'm not saying they shouldn't have any exposure to it. You've got to figure that out. You've got to let them be able to navigate in that world. Um, you're going to see later on, you know, if your rules for your kids at 8 and 18 are the same, there's a problem. You need to let them make mistakes. You need to... Help them to understand what it's like uh, to, to mess up a little bit so you can be there to help pick up the pieces and grow through that. But this whole approval culture, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're blown away by the death by suicide that continues to increase in our younger people's lives. And it gets younger and younger and younger. And this isn't the only reason, but this is a part of it. I can even get sucked into it. I post something and I get a million likes. Well, not a million likes. I'm happy with like a hundred likes. You know, woo, hundred likes, woo, you know. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel good. No likes, doesn't make me, what, what's going on with that? We can all get sucked into it. But again, it's not all or in, all, it's, it's got to be balanced. You got to learn how to swim in the waters of this stuff. So that brings us to, to our direction and the direction, how do, we, how do we deal with this struggle? What, what do we think about? And I think the question we ought to be asking ourselves is, are you transforming or are you conforming? A lot of us, when we hear that, we think of uh, Romans 12, 2, and that's where we're going. But the question here is, are you transforming 
or conforming? Is God working in my heart, changing me, or am I conforming to the world I live in? And I tell you, again, like I said, I love the world I've lived in. I am happy I live in 2021. Even with all the craziness, I'm happy I've got a cell phone. I'm happy when I jump in the car and Cindy's already home. I can call her and talk with her on the way home. I, I love that. Love that I'm not riding a horse. I, I love that. I love that I'm not walking. I love that. But how we use that, is it using us or are we using it? Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'm going to say this takes more effort than ever before. That by the testing, you may discern what the will of God is. And we, as Christ followers, believe that God's will for our lives is at our best, so we want to know what his will is for us. It's not like, oh, we now we know the will and we can't do these things. No, it's now you know God's will, so now you can be who God's made you to be. What is good and acceptable and perfect. So getting real close to home, this question, I read this somewhere, and I said, i got to share this question. This question really bothered me. What is the first thing you do with your phone when you wake up? What is the first thing you do? You could ask, what's the, first, what's the last thing I do with my phone before I go to sleep? I make coffee, and then I look at my phone. Let's get real, real personal. Can you go to the restroom without taking your phone with you? <laughs> I don't know. I've been thinking about this week. Why are you in there so long, Dave? I'm reading something. <laughs> what is the, what's up with that? You need to get one of those cushier seats or something. But anyway, what do you do with your cell phone, the first thing? And I've been working on this. I can, I can lose 15 minutes, a half an hour, real quickly. I could lose longer. And uh, I've shared this verse with you in a couple other series because it just means so much to me. I have a, I have a list, and it's, been a, it's, a, it's a Word document. It just gets longer and longer because I add things into it. It's like my daily reminders, and I probably read through it three or four times a week. And it's just kind of what's important to me, how I want to live, what kind of man I want to be, what kind of husband I want to be, and those kinds of things. But my first thing I read now is this. Every morning you'll hear me at it again. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for fire to descend. And if I'm practicing that, that means I'm not looking at my cell phone. And for me that's hard because I basically read everything electronically. So I have to turn off all the interruptions. I have to not go to places. I just, I just have to I, I do my devotions by quiet time on my computer. And so I've got to really be important about that. But, but I've got to do this. And that fire comes down as I'm waiting to hear from God. You know the stories about fire coming down. There's a couple places where that happens. They were beseeching God, calling on God's name, and he shows up. That's the imagery there. So I'm waiting for God to show up in my reading that morning. Sometimes it's a big, sometimes it's just a little candle, but uh, he shows up. I place my day, I place my life, and, and so that means I cannot be like reading the four or five news things I subscribe to. I can't check with Facebook overnight. I, I got I to say no to that. 
not look at my emails, even though I have do not disturb. Um, I, I just got to be better at that. And, and maybe you can relate to that too. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrased, translates uh, Romans 12, uh, 2. Uh, you got to remember, he basically goes idea for idea. He looks at the context. So sometimes if you go word for word, you go, where'd that word come from? If you go five verses before it or look at the context, you see where those ideas come from. And he reminds us of that. So he says, so like this, don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Great question. Is there a little bit of a negative vibe? Because this world is not your home. If you fit in perfectly, nothing seems to, you just, you got to ask yourself, what does that mean? Paul's saying, you shouldn't fit in totally well. You shouldn't be like, this is not heaven. This is like the chapter of life before heaven. This is not our home if we're Christ followers. Our home is where God is. And someday that will be heaven. Someday that will be new heavens and earth. So, so there ought to be just a little bit of a vibe. We've talked about injustice, all these kinds of things. The systems of this world should bother us. We should have, in a sense, a low-grade fever to what is going on in our world. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. I love that. I want to be changed from the inside out. I just don't want to put on the behavior of a Christ follower and just know how to play the game. I don't want to be a cultural Christian. I want it to reflect who I am. Now, sometimes, yes, I have to say no and and all that kind of stuff, but eventually I want what's on the outside to be what's on the inside. I don't want to have so many filters that I know how to bite my tongue and not say this and not say that, but it really doesn't reflect my heart just because I know how to play the role of good Christian. don't want that. I want inside out. And those of us who have been Christians for a little while are going to find that the big changes happen in our hearts. We've got the behavior down for the most part. It's the heart things. So we need to fix our eyes on God so we can get changed from the inside out, conforming instead of or transforming instead of conforming. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Oh, I love when this happens. I love when I know what God wants me to do and I've got just a few seconds to decide because it's like in the moment and I do it. I mean, last week I had this situation and I blew it. Uh, the Lord, I can't even remember where I was, but I knew there was an opportunity to grab, get up and grab the door for somebody. And I thought I should do that. And then I waited and the moment was gone. And I felt bad about that. That was just a little simple way to quickly respond to God living out in front of me. Why don't you be kind to this person? You know, you may never see him again, but you should grab the door for them. And I, I didn't. I love when I'm responsive. And, and that takes awareness of fixing my eyes on him to be ready for it when it happens. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Immaturity basically is selfishness, being self-centered. It's all about me, not about anybody else. It's considering myself first and always. So in the world, is like that. We even talked about social media and those kinds of things. It's all about them, really. They act like they're giving you a service, but you're actually doing them a service. You're helping them make money. 
And so we don't want to be dragged down to that. We want to be lifted up. We don't have a judgmental eye. We're not like on everybody, but we're on ourselves. We look at ourselves and see what needs to change. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And if we're going to be a part of this process, if we're going to ask the question, am I transforming instead of conforming, then we need to understand how technology fits in our world and how we live it. Now, now why is this so important? This is so important because your soul, your soul is worth it. And I'm not talking about earning your way to God and all this kind of thing. I think God loves you, and then we live in response to his love, and so we love him back. So we're trying to earn our way. There's not this scale in heaven that's like, ooh, I've got to have enough good things, and it's good and bad. It's Christ is taking care of all that. But in light of that, I want to live a life with the least amount of regrets as possible. I want to please my heavenly Father. I, I want to do that the best I can. And so... Jesus even says this, For what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Or what would you give in return for your soul? I, the Son of Man, this is Jesus saying, one day will return with my angels in the splendor and majesty of my Father. Then I will reward each person according to what he has done. Again, it's not earning your way, but I... I definitely want to please him. On that day, sometimes they call of reckoning. Uh, that's an that's a accounting term. On that day of reckoning, I actually want to have something to offer him. I want to say, yeah, I, obviously I wasn't perfect, Lord, but at least I was able to live this way for you, and the real motivation was just to please you. It wasn't, it wasn't a bait and switch. I wasn't living this way to be nice, really, so I could get something. I was living this way because I was just living because I wanted to be honoring you in my life and your soul is worth that and technology plays into that i don't think i'm ever going to be rewarded when if there was i don't necessarily think there's any if god said here's how many hours you spent looking at facebook Twenty thousand three hundred. you know good job dave i don't think that's going to happen but if i kind of used my life in a positive way i think he'll be pleased about that We need to realize that technology makes life easier, but not always better. That's what our Amish friends believe. And they live that way. For my life, not the way I want to live. I I want to use technology. I want it to make my life easier, but I want to watch out that I'm not, in a sense, selling my soul to it. Jesus, on the other hand, makes life better, but not always easier. If you're wavering, should I follow Christ? Should I say yes to Christ? It's it's hard. It's not easy. Sometimes you'll have moments where you've got to do the right thing, and it's going to cost you. That's hard. But it's a better life. It's a better life. And so if someone's selling you, oh, become a Christian and everything will be like, wonderful. Not true. That is a lie. That's a lie. So as we try to wrap things up, I need to wrap things up here. Uh, In your program, there's a top 10 kind of list from a guy named um, Eric. I'm having trouble reading his name. Now I forget what his name is. Eric Eubank. 
And uh, it's interesting. I, I want to say this. Do not go home, especially if you have teenagers, and say, Dave gave me these rules. Now this is the way we're going to live. I'm putting down the line. Worst possible thing you could do. Don't do that. These things, some will work, some won't work for you. They're all about having a conversation to make sure you are using technology and it is not using you. So here are some, or it's Phil, excuse me, I misread. Uh, so here are some ideas that he's come up with. He was involved in technology and now is a pastor. He says, use the screen time digital well-being feature. If you have an Android, you have an iPhone, you can turn this thing on. I know when it came with my phone, the first thing that came up when I got it, when it was new, I was like, oh, don't like that. Mm, off it went. After thinking about this, I said, I at least need to turn that on for a couple months and just get a, kind of get a read. How much screen time? What am I looking at? What apps can you know, captivate most of my attention? So I, I'd encourage you to give a try for that. Um, set a bedtime and wake-up time for your phone. I, I do this. Everything shuts off. Uh, those of you who are aware, um, if you do call me in the middle of the night and you call back within three minutes, my phone will ring. I don't know who called me, but it will ring uh, in case there's an emergency. But the first time you call, it does not. I, I have it shut off at 8.30 because that's, I'm, I'm done in theory. So 8.30, I think, till 6 in the morning is my time. So set something up that for you. Uh, give tech a different bed than you. They actually say a huge amount of people sleep with their phone under their pillow. And some people then let it vibrate. So they're like, mm -mm, you know, I mean, oh, I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. I do put it next to my bed. It's there, but it's in shutdown mode. Um, but uh, don't, don't sleep with your phone, please. There's something wrong about that. <laughs> Use night shift or other display settings. You know, there's this thing called blue light, and blue light's all designed to have your mind turn on and engage. Again, because they want you to use your phone, they want you to view, da, da, da. There are settings where you can shut that off so your mind starts to uh, get uh, easy. Turn off all notifications. If every time an email comes through, your phone vibrates, your arm vibrates, turn that off. I only have a few. Phone calls, text message. Um, Facebook uh, Messenger, and one trusted news source. So if something crazy is happening, uh, I, I know what's happening. But everything else is off. Um, so, you know, whatever works for you. Again, these aren't mandates. These aren't, you know, these are just to think about how can I use technology rather than have it use me. And, uh, you know, that, that is just so important. Um, delete social media apps. Ooh, how many should I debate? Well, um, I, I think some, they had one suggestion, and what I did rather is I put my social apps on another screen, so when I turn my phone on, I don't see Facebook with a little number in there and go, ooh, I wonder what's going on with that. You know, I just put it on the other page. I'm not looking at it as much. Um, you can access all your social apps view, through your browser. You realize that if you're using the app, it's like syncing with all your things. You ever, you ever looked at something on Facebook, on Amazon, and then Facebook, all of a sudden you start getting ads for that item? How's that working? You, you know, that, those are all the games they play. So just be aware of it. Um, you know, I, I actually say to Cindy, God must want me to buy this because I looked on Amazon, I came on my Facebook. No, I don't do that. Um, turn your phone off to grayscale. I tried this. The idea behind this was that... Uh, 
uh, your phone is not the real world. So every time you look at your phone, if it's in grayscale, you're going, oh, this is the fake world. What's going around me is the real world. My eyes are so bad. I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I could not read my phone in grayscale. I'm like, where's that icon and, you know, that kind of thing. But I tried it, but uh, maybe that will work for you. Um, YouTube restricted mode. Don't let the videos just keep playing. You can go in there and set it so that if you watch one video, it doesn't bring you up the same thought, just a little more edgier, and all of a sudden you find yourself drifting and you're way over here watching something that's just outrageous. It's interesting. They're reinforcing what you think. So I hate to tell you this. Some of us are being reconditioned, reconditioned, reconditioned to think one way, and we started down that road. We thought it was a good thing, but it just keeps reconditioning, reconditioning. I've talked to you about this before. I try to watch news from different sources, I love watching what, what I would consider is kind of like off there, see what they lead in with their news story, and then see what a more conservative leads in. There, there, there's a reason for all that. You should be savvy enough to know that. You should actually be able to watch something you disagree with and understand it, not just shut it off. We need to be educated, smart Christians with traction in our logistic our our discussions uh sometimes i've shared with this before this is an added bonus i wasn't planning on this i have a friend that is on the other spectrum of everything high school friend and every once in a while i'll send him some of the thoughts that are out there more in my camp that seem to be absolutely accurate i'll send it to him nicely and say Tell me, Mike, what do you think of this? And he will write back to me a thoughtful, I can't believe he does this, a thoughtful response to that. And he goes, you know, when they say this, they have no facts for that. So if you are putting this out there, there absolutely is no facts for that. Write that person and say, where did you find this information? Because it doesn't exist. He works in a law library. He's not making this stuff up. I don't want to be projecting ideas that I like that have no accuracy to them. Don't want to do that. I want to be smarter than that. Um, let's see. So give your spouse or friend full access to your phone. If your friend or your spouse can't look at your phone, then that means something. That means something. Now, you may need to reprogram your life. You may need to go see a counselor. I, I'm not being funny here because you've let so much into your heart that you, that you need to kind of like do a refresh start. But, but there, there's nothing secret on my phone. And, and if I get a text message that I think is a little edgy, I show Cindy that. So if you send me an edgy text message, Cindy's seen it because I, I, I just don't, I don't want any secrets from my wife. I don't want any craziness. And if I can't show it to her, I... I Almost to the point I, I would show it to my kids. I don't want them to know information about people, but, they, but there's, there's, there's no secrets. This one I'm working on. Follow the one, one, one rule. One hour a day, I can do that at a meal, barely. One day a week, I don't think I could do that, but I think I could do six hours. That's my first thought. I've got to do six hours. And then a week vacation, I think I could do that. If I had a couple weeks off, I think I could, I like to, you know, get out where there's no cell service. Maybe that's what I'd have to do to actually live that out. But uh, I think I could do that. I, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about those things. And uh, again, our bottom line we're going to see is choose God over gadgets and discomfort 
over distractions because a lot of times we're using our phone as a coping mechanism. I'm told back in the day, and some of you may experience this, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but uh, back in the day, you know, if you had a real stressful day, you'd go outside, have a cigarette, kind of like edge off things. Well, some of us go outside and, you know, kind of go scrolling. That's our coping ministry. Man, I've had a rough office. I need to get outside. You're at the water cooler and you're checking on Facebook. It's kind of like a nervous habit, you know. So rather than kind of saying, what does this discomfort mean and being distracted from it, try to digest what it means and try to figure that out. Again, with all of this, and as we get into the rules or get into some ideas, I don't even want to use the word rules, remember rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. It happens in countries, it happens at work, and it certainly happens in our homes. Um, It absolutely does. So when I'm going to give you these parental suggestions, they're not even really suggestions. They're just put them on the table, talk about them, kick them around. And if you're late to the game, if your kids are 16, 17, 18, you can't just throw them on the... You you can't can't do that. you, You may have to start your conversation, I messed up. I shouldn't have put a full functioning iPhone, Android in your hand with no restrictions when you were 12 years old. Shouldn't have done that. I should have had some limitations to that. But anyway, so that may be where it starts. Bad me, not bad you. Okay? All right, we'll just jump right to According, adding access slower and later is better, self-explanatory. Set up terms and conditions, if possible, before they get their first phone. You who have not had your kids have phones, you can start figuring this stuff out from day one. You don't have to, like, you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube. You've got all the power right now. Use it wisely. Don't go crazy one way or the other way. Think about it. Uh, keep technology out of their room. I remember when the girls had cell phones, uh, first cell phones, they all went in this bowl in the dining room. Get up in the morning, three phones better be there. If there wasn't one there, there was a problem. No TVs in their rooms. I know this sounds harsh. Just, it just, we had our computer in the kitchen for a long time. Just, you know, but once you let that, you know, out, you can't get it back easily. I'll put devices before, away before an hour before bed. I'm trying to work on that actually myself, not using it. Use parental controls. There's all kinds of things out there. There's all kinds of Internet access where you can limit devices, and you can figure those kinds of things out. Set limits on games and apps. I don't necessarily know if you need to do what China's doing, but this one's a hard one. Some of you guys are going to really balk at this. Read their text messages. Once a month, it didn't actually happen once a month, but every month and a half, because it, it, as a parent, I hated reading their text messages. So you'd be like, you read this one, you read this one. I'm like, no, I don't. we would read their text messages. Goal was once a month. Just see what was going on in their world. I mean, they're our kids. They're your kid. When they're 20, when they're 19, when, don't sneak and read their text messages. That's a betrayal. If you haven't done this before and you, are, you, know, you say starting next month so they can kind of clean up their act a little bit, I mean, you're not going to let them look at your phone, are you? So, so let, let's just, you know, you know, you know whatever you're going to do. But I, I tell you, I can guarantee you there's some parents on the planet 
that wishes they had read their kids' text messages. And no apologies for it. Absolutely no apologies for it. And I know if that's, and again, this comes back to as a parent, you may have to say, I messed this up. I should have unrolled this completely different. Now you've got to kind of adjust with this. But um, increased freedom for juniors and seniors. This is going to sound crazy to you. I've shared this before. Uh, there, was, there was a time where when the kids were starting to choose their own music, I wasn't a big only Christian. I was like, choose whatever music you want, but we just need to see the lyrics. And so we started to teach them what was good. There were songs that weren't good for their heart. They're good for their soul. And we wanted them to learn how to do that. So they would print out the lyrics, and I would read the lyrics, and if it didn't pass, it didn't pass. And they only had a few choices per week. And as they got older, then we let them choose their own music. So, you know, when they got to be juniors and seniors, we, we let them make, we wanted them to make their own, we wanted them to make manageable things, judgments of error in the context of family, not when they were like out on their own and just going crazy. So, so we had to work at this. I, I hated this, but, but we thought, you know, I'd rather be on my internet watching, playing Facebook than looking at it. No, just kidding. <laughs> Own the phone. It's your phone. If it's your phone, I mean, a lot of times, I can remember my dad before phones would say, that is my car. I never had a car when I was in high school. It was his car. I had total access to it, but it was his car. Changes the rules a little bit. Again, and make this a constant conversation. So if these just wouldn't say, what would work? Do you even see this? That this, this is an issue. Remember, rules without relationship always lead to rebellion. So, choose God over gadgets and discomfort over distractions. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for a hard message. So much in here. Uh, we could do seminars on this, but Lord, we need a starting point. And I would just ask that you'd help each one here to figure out how to use technology rather than have it use them. Uh, how to incorporate healthy lifestyles choices so they have margin in their life, margin in their own life, and that they can pass it on to their children and grandchildren. Father, we, we want a generation uh, that's able to uh, be able to be totally immersed in technology to some degree, but not have it control their lives. And we're still trying to figure that out. We're thankful that you give us everything we need to figure it out. We're not ill-equipped. You give us your spirit. You give us uh, all that we need to live this life. So we thank you for that. Lord, I ask if there's anyone who has not said yes to you, that even in this moment they might say yes to you rather than having to deal with this just from the head, that they could deal with it from the heart because they would have you a part of their lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.